Listening Dog Media. The Hot Mess Mum. The mum most likely to send her kids to school in regular clothes on non-school uniform day. The mum who forgets to sign the permission slip for school trips. The mum who has probably put leftovers in her kids' lunchbox on more than one occasion. But most importantly, the Hot Mess Mum is actually rocking it and is doing a far better job than even she thinks. Please welcome our Hot Mess Mums, telling it as it is, Kelly and Jenny Powell. It is the Hot Mess Mums Club podcast. I'm Kelly Pegg. And I'm Jenny Powell. And shall we welcome, well, she's family. She's my family. And Kelly, you can adopt her too, because everyone wants to. (laughs) It's the beautiful human being that is one of my best friends, Denise Welsh. Yay! (laughs) Lovely to have you back. Oh, it's lovely to be back. Thank you. This next week, we're celebrating 100 episodes of the Hot Mess Mums Club with a special look back at some of our favourite moments. We've also got a very exciting competition to win £100 to spend with Swan. So keep listening to find out how later to enter. To check them out, just head to swanbrand.co.uk and use the discount code HOTMESSMUMS20 for 20% off. The Hot Mess Mums Club with Swan. It's been, um, I mean, it's so funny when you're talking to your best friend because they're dead famous. <laughs> but um, it's hard to get hold of you at the moment because obviously you're so busy with um, Loose Women, but also Hollyoaks. And the, the response that I've got just from people walking down the street is um, just amazing. So gosh knows what people are saying at your end. Yeah, I mean, do you know something? I, I love going to work at Hollyoaks. I am very, very, very lucky, as all of us are, who have a job and can, you know, go to work within incredibly strict COVID guidelines. I mean, you know, there's a two-meter stick, there's constant mm-hmm. temperature checking, you know, there's, there's no cutting corners with this. It's very, very important. that, And I think it's important to keep the shows on for people's mental health. You know, um, the soap operas, the loose women's of the world, the yeah. podcasts, all of these things have kept people going and it's very important. But I think normally at my age, I get, I always remember Judy Dench saying, and she went, you know, the best thing about getting a new job is when your agent rings you and tells you you've got it. And you're going, my God, I've got yeah. the job. Two minutes after you're going, I'm not working on the 27th though, I'm <laughs> going to do this. And then you're ringing your friends and you go, can you believe they got me in on that day when I've got a wedding? <laughs> so that's always the best thing. And, and, and I absolutely get that because normally I love getting the job and then I start it and I'm thinking, when does it end? But I can honestly say <laughs> hand on heart with this is that I love it. And I think that a good test of a job is when you're getting up at five in the morning in the middle of a grim pandemic, pandemic mm. With the rain lashing off your car and you're still excited about going to work. So yeah. that's how I feel. And the character's fantastic. So yes, I feel very lucky. Oh, and the and the characters you're working with as well. I mean, obviously Nikki Sanderson, who's now the same age as you were in Corrie when you met her. Because she is nearly 37. She looks 27. So wow. just for anyone else, she's your daughter on Hollyoaks, if anyone's not sure. Yeah. Sanderson plays yeah. my... I play Trish Miniver, and she has played for eight years um, Maxine Miniver. But prior to this, in our other life, in Coronation Street life, she was 15 when she came in, and I was Whoa. her age. I was 37 oh. when I joined. So, of course, I'm reliving those now, watching the odd classic Corrie, and yeah. thinking, why didn't I appreciate that I had a jawline? <laughs> <laughs> I look at it and think, look at my jaw. I wish I'd looked in the mirror and gone, oh, my jaw. But, um, but yeah, so it's it's good fun. It's good fun revisiting uh, those. And, of course, Jen and I's other best friend, um, 
Sally Jennifer. Yes. Uh, you know, her and I have been friends since um, since since those days. So it's uh, yeah. So it's lovely working with Nikki, and because we've got a history, we've kind of lapsed very naturally into playing mum and daughter. Yeah. And I mean, of course, I'm just checking. But I, I know you're going to say to, you walk into Hollyoaks. Yeah. I mean, it's like walking into America's Next Top Model. Okay. It's yeah. full of hot men. Proper hot, you know, yeah. proper hot. Are they fully clothed or do they walk around like the Diet Coke man? What's going on? Sadly, well, it's winter. So oh, let's oh. hope that the summer might yeah, bring yeah, that yeah. out. But uh, obviously, again, I'm not seeing as I, I watch the show and I think I've never met that person, that person, that person. Because obviously you are kept apart much more because of the necessary restrictions. But the guy that plays my young fella... Tom Benedict Knight is just a dream. We have just, there's something about what Brian Kirkwood did that the producer who's just leaving, I think that he managed to get the chemistry right between the actors as well as the characters. And right. I think that's fundamental to why this is a happy show because Kelly Bryan told the story. I saw it in the papers the other day of how I'd fooled my friends. I rang a few people that were in Hollyoaks telling them that a friend of mine had been offered a year's contract in the hope that they would be more open if there was any reasons why I should reconsider. But they all said, despite the normal aggravations you have with working, you know, on such a tight schedule, that it's a very happy place to work. So yeah, it's great. And you are in a happy place. Like you, you are, Dan, at the moment, I think. I think. Well, I've not, I've, I'll tell you why. It's funny. I always said that it's happened twice in my life. 1989, when I had Matthew, was the best and the worst year of my life. The best because, I, I'll get quite emotional, the best because I had Matthew, who is now 32 yeah. coming up and is obviously the best thing that happened to me along with uh, Louis, but also because it was the start of my 32-year um, mm. battle with um, clinical depression. Yeah. And 2020, similar the best and the worst. The worst because we were plunged into this dystopian hell and mm -hmm. it's those of us who have children, you know, it's probably more worrying for them than it, than it, than it is for, uh, for us, even though they don't act like it. But also because this, the, my last episode of major depressive uh, disorder was September 2019. And that's the longest I've ever gone in 30 odd years without an episode. Wow. So the whole of 2020, so for those people who think that clinical depression is always related to mm. circumstances, it's not, it's not. It? mine no. is endogenous, because if any yes. time it was going to come, it would be now, you know, cause I've you been, think. I've been, I've been emotional, I've been in floods of tears, I've been sad, I've been anxious, I've had all of those things, which yeah. are a normal reaction to the circumstances, but I haven't had my depression. I'm touching wood, I'm not very superstitious. No, I'm touching it as well. Do you think they'll do it as a storyline or the pick up on it for Hollyoaks? Well, it's somewhere. I mean, they're, they're incredibly issue led. Mm. And um, they're actually doing a storyline that I'm not involved in about purple psychosis, which is the step on from what right. I had. I was kind of apparently on the verge. So I had periods where I was dipping into psychosis and stuff. But um, but but anyway, um, I it would be it would be fantastic it would mm. be fantastic but i would be just as happy for somebody else to play out that you know that that story i just think it's long as it's talked about but it's been so it's been an interesting year because i've i've kind of not had my depression in a very depressing year yeah you know yeah we there's a so much love for you like whenever we mention you to anyone like our members or in general just people when i'm so comes, proud of my friends i'm so proud yeah. of her because everyone loves her <laughs> 
when's she coming back on? We love Denise. You know, she's just an open book. She's this, she's that. And lots of people have said to me as well, she's been amazing through this because she was so brave to talk out about the effect that it's having on people being shut away all the time because nobody wanted to do that because, you know, the minute you do, you sort of polarise an audience and everyone, some people round up on you. So I think, you know... It's interesting, Kelly, because... You know, and I and I and I, I, I did I did back off. I was very vocal about it, but if anybody, um, you know, these people take great pleasure in going back through your tweets or things, you know, that mm. the purpose of my being so active from the start was to combat the um, the negative press and um, the fear mongering that was happening. Yeah. This is a horrendous, awful, terrible. Um, um, virus that I have never ever doubted that from from day one my point has always been that as well as it being a physical pandemic it is a mental health pandemic mm-hmm. and that I'm you know and it's funny that now people who shot me down are now talking about the fact that this is a mental health pandemic as well and mm. of course that's all I was ever saying I was never ever denying the virus no. I was saying how we have to look out for those people because there are people who die of COVID with COVID and people who die because of COVID. And those numbers are now becoming known to people of the people who are dying because of it. I'm not saying don't have restrictions. I'm not coming up with any answers. Also, there was a time way back in June when we first came out of lockdown and I was able to go back to the studio to do Loose Women. So a very quick elevator pitch of, of the type of thing I was doing, that the care homes got such a terrible bad rap for what had happened. Most of it wasn't the, the care home, people in the care home who worked there's fault. And you know, we all know what, what, what went on in some care homes. But if you talk to anybody on the street, just by them reading the mainstream media or listening to the news, all care homes everywhere in the country were having this diabolical, terrible time. But in fact, at that point, 60% of care homes didn't have any COVID. And at the moment, two thirds of care homes have no COVID. Mm. There have been terrible outbreaks. So what I was trying to say is, if the mainstream media are saying everyone's going to die, I'm going, everyone's not going to die. So it's not saying some people won't. It's saying not everybody is. And the Mm. problem is with with the fear mongering messages that really gets me is that there is always going to be a faction of people who will rebel against this. So those people who are going to have a rave and then going to visit Granny on Sunday, sadly, are always going to do that. So no yeah. matter how many awful, terrifying adverts that, the, that, that they put on the television, all it's doing, in my opinion, is it's scaring those people who are already gripped with fear. That's Their immune from systems it. are yeah. shot to pieces because they've had a year of fear mongering. Unfortunately, yeah. Those people aren't going to go, hey, Bill, I've just seen an advert there on the um, on the tube. But then they're not going to change their minds. No. These people are idiots, you know? Then, so well, they're not what touched. I try to do is temper it. Well, I think you were a voice to so many people and that really came through, you know, and it was it was bloody brave to do it. I mean, you you know, we talk about the effects of it frightening older people, but it's having a massive effect on young people. My daughter's seven. I wish I could show you. She's at school. Her hands are red raw from overwashing them at school I had to ring the GP have a discussion with them on the phone to get her a special moisturizing hand wash and a steroid cream that she's using and this is what six days later and it's going down but really slowly because she's overwashing. and when I say to her please don't keep washing them the way you are just stop she says no I've got to mum 
And it's like been ingrained. Yeah, and it's her teacher. Her teacher's on the edge, right? Because she's had a few a go at a few of us because our kids are still going to school. We're classed as key workers. So, and she was unhappy about it. And we had to complain to the headmistress and say, it's not for her to tell us that our kids can't come. You're saying they can. So I don't want to talk to her about that at the door you know so she's obviously going through this massive thing of anxiety and Ava's hands are under the sink constantly and yeah. I can't get her to change her I mind. I mean I've been talking to young people who are you know there's people kids who are self-harming they just feel that they have no future mm. I mean all I can, <sighs> you know I, I do feel that I have to feel that there is a change in the air and that mm. there is there is slightly more good news now coming out, um, you know, as as we as we vaccinate more 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 people, and um, this does seem to be the panacea and the thing that's giving people life. I just think that it's also the fact that so many of these decisions have been made behind closed doors, and I think that if we had had transparency from the government and the scientists, just like we, you know, when we were um, when Brexit was the only problem on our minds, every single night there was a televised debate yeah. with Boris Johnson, with Jeremy Corbyn, with the with with you know with whoever. Else else was involved in this and yeah. every night people could ask questions and blah 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 nothing that's, so that's why won. all of these theories can build up because there's nobody sort of dispelling them or saying mm -hmm. this is not not going to happen and I think that you know I know that they're still learning about the virus but I think they need to be a little bit more transparent about the people in the care homes they want to know that when they've had both their jabs can they hug their grandchildren can we just let them know you know mm -hmm. and as I say it's um it's just, it's, it, it, I think because I've had experience of, 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 a, of, of a mental illness, I know how sometimes once anxiety becomes clinical depression, it can be there for life. Mm. And I think it's just a case of, we have to look now at the, at the detri detrimental effect of some of these restrictions, although that I'm sure that they were very necessary, but we have to look at the people who are losing lives because of COVID, not just yeah, of it. Absolutely. And thank God for you, though. Yeah. You are. You're so brilliant. You know, God, well, there's I'm, a lot, I'm so glad. Yeah, I mean, there's out. a lot of celebrities, etc. who, you know, they have certain opinions and they don't really say much. Um, no, I'm one of them. Um, and that's why I look up to you. But um, I always wonder with you, Denise, because no matter what it is, and I watch on Loose Women and, um, you know, even when we're as friends, we're all together in company. You are, you always do your due diligence. You always do your research. You're very thorough. You're very, I know you read a lot, but where's it come from? Because I never knew your mum and I don't know much about her, but I always, I always go away thinking, where did she get that from? You know, because I, you know, it's funny because Lincoln asked the same. Because I think there's sometimes that he wishes that I could just sometimes limit things to how we are. Because mm -hmm. I think at the moment we do have to look after. You know, I always yes. feel I have to look after myself so yeah. that I can look after others. Mm. And you know, I'm very grateful that I'm working. I'm very grateful that my dad is okay after you know not being so well over Christmas. I'm very grateful that my husband is working. That my kids are mentally dealing with this and being incredibly creative in other ways. So I know I'm lucky, but I also know that there's so many who aren't. But I think I, I think when I when I first started speaking out about mental illness 32 years ago, before we had social media or anything. So mostly print media was the only way to be heard. Mm. And um, and I was, people tried to shout me down, not my family, absolutely not, but other people for my own good, don't talk about that, people think you're mad. Yeah, and yeah, I just yeah. thought the reason why I have only got through this because of my family, there mm. are people out there who don't have a family and I could not access any information. 
I couldn't find one person who had been the same as me, but who had got better or who could say there will be massive periods of time when you are well. And I would have given my right arm to have that information. Mm. But and so I decided then to speak out and I was shot down and supported by some. And it's been a long journey and we've still got a long way to go. But I think but I also speaking out about current things, you know, I, I don't just quote, as you just said, I I'm not stupid and I'm and I'm not dangerous. So I'm not gonna go on and just quote Sue from Facebook who said something. Like yesterday, we were talking on Loose Women about care homes because Ruthie Henschel is, you know, is wonderfully yes, leading this campaign to have yeah. the law change within, you know. But, so I spoke to um, Debbie Harris, who is a senior uh, member of an elderly care team. And I also spoke to um, Helen Rook, who uh, runs a care home um, in Surrey that I speak to on a weekly basis or have been till they've had this outbreak. So I always want to be armed with the fact so that if mm -hmm. I'm shot down, I can say, but this is factually based. It's not just conjecture. This is actually factually, factually based. And some people just, you know, uh, they, they want to think that I've just gone on television and talked about something like that. But well, anyway, that's because a lot of people so, on television are a bit like that, to be fair. Well, maybe, maybe. <laughs> yeah. The Hot Mess Mums, Kelly Pegg with Jenny Powell. Oh, I do love her. And we'll be back with Denise shortly. But let us quickly tell you about our competition over this next week. Over the next week, we're celebrating 100 episodes of the Hot Mess Mums Club. Can't believe it. To mark the occasion, our friends at Swan have given us a £100 voucher to spend on their website for one member of the club. Swan is an amazing British homeware company whose products are all very Instagram friendly. They do everything from coffee machines to vacuum cleaners, air fryers to, oh, I love their slow cooker. To be in with a chance of winning, all you need to do is go to the competition post on our Instagram, like it, tag a friend and make sure you're following both of us at Hot Mess Mums and Swan Brand UK. You've got until 23.59, otherwise known as just before midnight on Thursday, the 25th of February, 2021 to enter. After which, we'll do a random draw to select the winner so good luck the hot mess mums club with swan designed for life it's interesting that you say that though going back to the stuff you say about the mental health at the start don't talk about it we had kerry katona on this season she was our first guest and she talked about that interview on this morning and she said afterwards her agent or pr person said Here's the thing. Don't go on telly and tell people you're bipolar. Do not tell them you have a mental illness because they won't be kind to you. If you go on and say you lost an arm in a tragic accident, um, it's completely different. But if you tell them you've got a mental illness, they can't see it. They can't touch it. It's not visible. They will not treat you kindly. And I was, if some of this stayed in my head. I know, and it disgusts me. That's why we need people like you, though, because you go to it you know nothing will stop me and the, the thing is what's happened is now 30 odd years later we are encouraged to talk about mental illness yeah where we still and mental health issues which are which are, are, are mental illness and having a mental health issue is the same but you know it's under the same um, umbrella of talking about our mental state of mind as opposed to physical mm -hmm. where we still have a long way to go is that it's all very well for companies tv companies any company, you know, whatever industry that you're in, to have these mental health well-being days where everybody's encouraged, it's good to talk, it's time to talk, it's this, you know, all of these things. It's what happens when you do talk, because I have people come to me and go, I did talk. I went to them and said, I'm suffering crippling anxiety. And they've all had a meeting about me. 
and it looks like I might lose my job. I've heard, I've been around so, stuff like that. You know, when yeah. you go and say, I've got to go into a hospital for a kidney operation, suddenly everybody's rallying around you. Did you know as mm. well that 99% of people who are off work with a mental illness don't get a get well card? Yet 99% of people off with a physical illness do. Yeah. Or if you have a baby, they send you a bloody card when you've had the baby, don't they? I mean, do you know, all that kind of stuff. But it's, it's people still don't see it the same. They think they they feel that they, they're out of control, you know, and, and now that you've got you, you've got to have sort of duty of care and all these type of, of things, which I which I understand. And that's great. But I think we've got to look at when if you're encouraging people to talk, we've got to act on it and make sure that they're in a safe place and they don't mm-hmm. feel that they're going to lose their job. Yeah. yeah. And, and just continue the journey with them really once they do speak out there is a journey and they need to be protected and supported all the way through there are lots of companies who are doing brilliant jobs with this as well you know I'm not yeah. saying that all companies don't treat the mental welfare I did a, um I did a talk about five years ago at Rush Pharmaceutical Company mm. and um so it, it you know the fact it was a pharmaceutical company is neither here nor there but we were, you know a massive great big company up in Welling Garden City and they'd had a physical health week and they were having a mental health week and I went up and I talked for about an hour and you had people from, from, the, from the cleaners right up to the top in college, oncologists, this whole cross-section, demo, massive demographic of different people. And there was about 350 people in the room and you could have heard a pin drop. <laughs> I mean, literally, mm. I, you could have heard a pin drop. Mm. It was terrifying looking out, but once I sort of got on and, and, and afterwards they said, would you mind meeting a few people who would like to ask you a question? So they put me in this sort of office around the corner. <laughs> Lincoln was with me. And honest to God, it was like I was Dr. Den. There was this snake <laughs> of people along the corridor. And Lincoln's going, she's not medically qualified. You know? and ah, I could just see him saying that. These oncologists were coming in and going, <laughs> it's like, oh, my God. <laughs> that just goes to show how a lot of these people, no matter what access they may have financially to, to help, that they hadn't ever spoken to anyone who'd suffered. They also had paid for everybody in the company to have the headspace app. They mm-hmm. created this oh, really wow. safe space downstairs that had twice a week masseurs came in yeah. to do them a massage where they could listen to the app. They had a sleep pod. So if everybody, anybody felt overwhelmed for during a day, they could just take themselves out. And, you know, just all of these little things show, show people that the company cares about their mental health. Because mm. if people don't look after the mental health, Ultimately, they'll have no company there. Absolutely, yeah. yeah. I d- um, I just uh, this is just a snuggly one for me. But for a lot of people who see you on a professional basis, feel they know you, and me definitely knowing you, can you just give us an insight into like uh, the perfect day with Denise? Because I do love it when you tell me I'm going back home now, and you know what I'm going to do, Jenny? I'm going to cook that. I'm going to sit there. I'm going to tell Link, and and I just it's just such a lovely visual that I always get. What like a day off sort of day? <laughs> yeah, a day off for Denise. Because a lot of people think you don't have one then. No, no. Well, and today, today I have had one. So, um, I Lincoln woke me up. It's so boring. No, it isn't. They're telling you it's not. I promise it's not. I also love really like what people say was a boring day. You look like you're embarrassed to tell us. Just let it all out. Come on, Dan. You can do this. Well, Lincoln got up about about half seven. And right. um, I was still sort of like um, dozing because I couldn't believe I didn't have to get up because obviously Hollyoaks is 5 a.m. starts yeah. for me, leaving home at six. So it's like half a seven. And then I try not to go onto the um, Daily Mail no. online scroll of terror 
but unfortunately I do. So, <laughs> I, go, so I go That's onto the scroll of terror and um, I sort out the week from the chat and pick some good bits out and whatever. Yeah. And then and then it, that takes you onto that. Then I looked at my <laughs> Hey You app is for all my reality television. Yes, so see? about Hopper State in the morning, I lay there still with last night's mascara on because I'd fallen asleep on the settee. Mm. And I watched um, The Real Housewives of Atlanta and Southern Charm, amazing. Um, then I got up and then I put the curry in the slow cooker. Exciting. Oh, wow. I'm impressed. Yeah. Put a curry in the slow cooker. And then Christine, who's worked for me for years, who might come and say hello. Christine was telling me about all these different recipes that I can do in the slow cooker, none of which I'll ever do. And she does get a bit of gossip in as well, because I've been there, yeah. And then uh, and then and then I then I went to the printers. Um, and basically it's closed, so they had to leave it on an envelope outside for me, and then I picked that up from the printers. And then um, I've come home, I'm doing the podcast with you, and then I have promised Christine for the last three weeks that I will sort out my wardrobes, because she can't now, when she irons stuff for me, she can't physically shove it in to the, um, to the cupboard. So um, It's I've, all from Fizz. It's all your clothes, it's all your freebies from Fizz. She goes down to this shop right down the road and she gets all these clothes from Fizz, it's called. She comes out with bagfuls. Bagfuls. Bagfuls, they're so cool. I promised Christine that I'm going to go upstairs and do that. that. And then Lincoln will come home and then we'll have our curry and then we will watch um, some crime on our television. What about, um, so this crime, talking of crime, because I know you're completely obsessed with it. You and Lincoln are always watching all these crime shows, you know, and all these crime solvers, etc. So um, you've managed to um, get yourself, um, well, basically a career out of it. I quite like this. You're getting paid for it now. So, um, Kelly, you know as well, don't you, my obsession with true crime? Yes. Yeah. Well, you started to tell me earlier, so I get an inkling that I like stuff like that as well. I've always been, I'd, right, so it's not like, it's not, I, I never want people to think that it's because of the gore and I have this love of gore and stuff like that, it's not. I am fascinated by the psychology of yeah. why people do what they do. Yeah. And and so so not only the perpetrator, but how people survive if they do, you know, things like that. Mm. And I, I, I think I tend to love American crime sometimes more because it's sort of a bit more detached. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, and but we kind of we, we you know, we've we've flown to America before, which we do quite regularly when we can. And yeah. we we'll literally get off the plane, get into the hotel and put Dateline on and not even go out. Just like we've flown <laughs> across the world just to get our favorite crime program. Anyway, um, about um, about uh, two years ago, this producer contacted me. He very much, um, he, he'd been a bit of a, a, a fan of, of mine from a couple of things I'd done, but which was very nice. And I said, well, if you're looking for a project, I'd love to do something in the crime genre. And so um, we got a couple of things up and then it never happened, never happened, never happened. And I thought, oh, whatever. And then April last year, we did a pitch to the Crime and Investigation Channel of this series called Survivors, which is about, rather than the perpetrator, about people who've survived violent crime. 
because I'm interested in what makes people become a survivor rather than a victim, if you know what I mean, mm-hmm. yeah. and um, the mental processes that they would use. So it's not me trying to be amateur psychologist, and I, I don't want anyone to think that. It purely comes from my interest and passion to see what makes people Absolutely. Tick. So it's for the Crime and Investigation Channel. It's called <gasps> Survivors with Denise Walsh, and I interview, <clears throat> I interview six people. So it's six one hours, and um, it's been unbelievably interesting to me I mean when I do the links and the crew came up here to do the links so I'm out and about walking talking to the camera and you know and I'm sort of saying you know um 23 year old Susie Snodgrass you know she that's not her name obviously but and I'm talking to the camera doing this thinking oh my god I'm doing my crime voice Mm. I'm actually doing a crime voice Mm. you know and I can't believe that I'm doing this show and I'm really excited um about it and it starts um in the middle of April date to be absolutely confirmed on that on the CI channel which is my favorite channel but isn't it just incredible you know at um at your well 62 I'm beautiful for it um isn't it incredible you're still reinventing you're still current you know you still got loads of followers on social media um but you just uh I'm, that's you know not that we all I mean I've been bit, a bit marmite over that you know I am a bit marmite but the thing is I think that you know you the three of us are all about empowering older women and women. One way or another, and I, absolutely. And I think yeah. that that is such a cliche, but it is so important to me mm. that people think, hang on a minute, I'm only 62, because you can mm. think I'm 62 in eight years, I'm going to be this. Mm-mm. And I decided to switch, you know, to flip the narrative. Yeah. And it's like, I'm only 62. And a lot of women of my age feel completely invisible, mm-hmm. especially yeah. in our industry. And it's like, well, actually, we're not. You know, I'm doing loose women. I'm doing a crime show and I'm doing Hollyoaks. Yeah. And 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 I've got a younger man. You have. And, I've got and in, real man life. in real life. Get yeah, me. you do that, girl. So, you know, and I will still, I know people are missing my bikini photos because obviously I'm not on holiday. And I know, you know, the thing is I get such a lot of support for bikini pictures, but also flat for it. And it's like, listen, yeah, but I don't do, I don't do, I don't do bikini pictures going, hey guys, look at me. <laughs> I I work with Lighter Life, which is how I lost two stone and I've maintained that weight. I believe passionately about the ethos, especially now, you know, we have to address morbid obesity and how dangerous it is. And I've been shouting the flag about that's not celebrating curvy women. Absolutely not. Celebrating healthy bodies, not Mm -hmm. unhealthy bodies. And so I believe in the ethos. But my thing also is I've got, you know, I've got stretch marks. I've got a wobbly tummy. I've got, you know, a big bum. I've got cellulite. But, you know. I don't look half bad for someone six. You look bloody down. You look if I, amazing. If I want to get a bikini on at sixty-two, and I'll still be doing it at ninety-two. I'll tell you what, I've been there. I've been there, Kelly, when we've been away, and she's getting going to buy the bikinis. It's brilliant. I've you go seen, on a bikini I've seen the photos on the on your Instagram, and you look amazing. And I think you know you talk about women feeling invisible. We do, you know, of every age. Did you see the thing about uh, Davina McCall? You know, she's doing. Um, what is it? Mass singer. The mass singer, and she wore this dress. She looks amazing. Yeah, and the lovely person that. was like, "Cover up, you know, you're yeah, old. Like, so you should." And I just thought, "Oh my god!" Luckily, yeah. her response was quite lighthearted because yeah, you can't it was let great. those people bring you down. No, it's like you know, it's like um, it, it, you've got a kind of th- these troll people. It's funny because if you 
if you get a piece on the mail online, which Jen and I do sometimes, and then hmm. if I'm in a good mood, you have a look at the comments. The comments yeah. And the oh, comments are, oh, they are, no, but if you're in a good mood, they are actually hilarious. And I will read some of them out to Lincoln. People who've never had a date probably their whole life. They love us all being in lockdown because they never had a life. Yeah. They can't bear any, you know. And um, so, so basically, um, you, you look at some of these comments and some of them are vile. So I thought one day, there was this article on Amal Clooney and George Clooney, mm-hmm. you know, possibly one of the most loved couples, one of the most beautiful couples, one of the most successful couples. And I thought, I'm just going to take myself onto the Mail Online comments and see what they say. Oh, my God. <laughs> it was vitriol. And I thought, there you go. Yeah. There you go. Yeah, you what can't take it personally. What can you find to say about these two people? And no. yet there were thousands of, yeah. of yeah. awful comments. So you yeah. just want to Do you know what? It's just, it's just people letting off steam. And if that's how they want to do it, go to it. That's what I say. But, um, you know, when you were saying just before and sort of like, you know, I'm a, I've got a younger man and um, I'm acting the younger man. I was just going to question the, um, are we going to get any sort of intimate scenes and what's going to go on if we do and how are you going to do it? Well, obviously we can't. So Tom and I have been playing um, lovers for, well, I guess it's three months now. We haven't really been on screen very, very much yet because we went on screen and then that was when there was the Christmas break and I'd already booked two weeks holiday, so we'll be coming back on soon. So it's very challenging to mm. play two people who clearly have a very active and um, intimate life mm. without touching each other because mm. of the two meter rule bit tantric so isn't it they've they, well, yeah so they on EastEnders apparently they've done things with the perspex screen and the way that they've shot mm. it people could obviously not snogging but you know that there's a perspex screen so people could physically do that but because of the way Hollyoaks is shot which is like a film mm. you can't do that so they have asked if Lincoln when the time is right, would go in as a body double. <gasps> and so it will so it will be to, so the camera will be on Tom. And then when it goes to the reverse on Tom, it will be Lincoln in a Tom wig and me and me do it doing it. I bet that's made his day though. Well, I mean he's he's gutted when the gym shut. Can you imagine? <laughs> Oh my uh, God, that's so, made my day. So, so they've asked, they've asked for his measurements and everything, and uh, because there's going to come a point. What when all these measurements the for the all the measurements? Is it all, all the measurements? Oh, all the measurements. Yeah. Oh, that's a, um, so he's a he's a stunt double for intimate scenes for you oh and your God. toy boy Lincoln on Hollywood. Must be, because when we went into lockdown in March, if you remembered. Uh, we did Dunbreeding, the yeah. online series yeah, that Julia exactly. Graham wrote. Seems mm. like a million years ago, but it was an amazing, it? amazing thing to do. But of course, Lincoln had to play my real life partner, as did yeah. Tamsin's play hers and everything. So it's like, could who can go into look 2020 as an artist and come out as an actor and also a body double in Hollyoaks in one year. I mean, it's just absolutely ridiculous. Uh, what was that film he did? Do you remember that film? He went abroad and he flew off and he did some film and he was- No, what he did was- Was he in a no, his, no, his, his best friend it? is Mark Warren, the wonderful actor Mark Warren. Yeah. And Mark was doing the first series of Vandervalk. Oh, that's it. Was over, I love Link, that. I love that well, oh, well, listen to this. Series. So Lincoln was over in Amsterdam with him oh. and there was a scene in a snooker hall. So suddenly Lincoln, um, got, so the, 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 the first shot of episode two, series one, Vandervelk, 
is Lincoln playing a buggy in the snooker horn. Oh, it's like, wow. I watched all of those. I love Mark Warren. I'm a massive fan. But did Chris you not, and I did you not love notice that. Lincoln? No. Did you not notice him? Oh, it was amazing. Yeah, yeah he kept yeah. sending us pictures. to get it on play. He kept sending Oh, we should. Yeah, I mean, you know, and then he sent me pictures of him in the trailer as if he had a script and everything. Oh, it was brilliant. It was brilliant, Kelly. Do you know what? He's going to have Bless a show real soon. He's got enough to knock together now. I reckon he's got a three-minuter, honestly. You've got to watch it there. It'll be, yeah, you've got to be careful. You know what'll happen. He'll, he'll wheedle his way in on that Hollyoaks, and before you know it, he'll be like one of the main characters. You'll be like, well, I'll be, I'll be perfectly honest. I think he was a bit gutted when, you know, he heard that they'd cast Brad yeah. and that he hadn't been in the running. Mm. Um, he was on the phone to my agent, who he just assumed was his agent. <laughs> says, will you, hi Bex, just let just letting you know, you know, I'll be expecting you to do the deal for my Hollyoaks intri- introduction. I mean, it's just <laughs> blessing. <laughs> what a family, honestly. And oh, how's yeah. Louis? Because I, I, um, you're checking up. So Louis's the same age as Connie, so he's down in London as well. Um, and how's he doing him. as a mum? Yeah, it's tricky, him. isn't it? I mean, I, I, I can't believe how, how well. Our kids yeah. have adjusted to yeah. the situation much mm. better than us. Mm, absolutely. You know, <laughs> especially because my kids are both in the entertainment industry mm. and Louis is a young actor. I mean, he's he feels grateful that he's worked at all this year. You know, mm. he's done a moving on. He's done something else. He went back and did six steps of Emmerdale. Yeah. At the moment, he's, he, he's, you know, he's auditioning. And he just said, am I a bit bored? Yeah, mum, but it is what it is. You know, mm. to be honest, normally I'd be saying, You've got to be an out-of-work actor, Louis. You've got to go and get a job here. But of course you can't. No. You no. know, at the at the moment. They just they just aren't them. But mm-hmm. um, but he's 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 doing fine. He's enjoying being in London. Yeah. Um obviously they didn't think we'd go into another lockdown, so that he hasn't been able to to, to and fro. And Matthew's in the studio writing another album. Mm-hmm. And so Matthew just continues to be creative. But they've both got they've both got good heads on their shoulders. And yeah. they're the ones that say to me when I get angsty about my worry for them, they go, it is what it is, mom. It is what mm. it is. And I know, I know Connie's like that with you. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. In fact, I'm beginning to annoy her now because she's like, will you stop asking me if I'm okay? <laughs> she's like, you know, mom, I'm fine, but stop asking me now. Stop messaging me. Um, so, you know, but I was just wondering because we're stuck kind of at the same stage with especially with Louie and Connie and um the older children and older mums, it's um it's a, a different concern. Um but it's something that, you know, I, I sort of like can wear you down because it's in your subconscious all the time. I don't know. But at the beginning, I just. Well, it's with theatres and stuff, you know, because yes. um, uh, I mean, yes. it, you know, with our industry, Louis very much wanted to. He's desperate to do some theatre. He's not a kid who just wants to do telly. The mm. good thing about my children is they they've seen the downsides of telly. So they're, they they just the, the thing about being well known or famous is something that comes as a result of their job. It's not something that is an aspiration to my children. Mm. Obviously, Matthew's uh, got it, but Louis desperately wants to do theatre mm. and was really on the road to that. And then this happened. So, and of course, with our industry, with the theatre industry, we they can't tell us when that's going to be resuming. No. So there was people who, there's lots of shows ready to rehearse. They will open in June. Mm. But then you start hearing that we can't stop social distancing. Well, most theatres, well, in fact, all theatres really, they can't afford to open no. with social no. distancing. They can't. Mm-hmm. They need to fill the theatres. Mm-hmm. And and so that is just, we just please, please give us some kind of indication. Mm-hmm. Um, and the same with, you know, because I think it's, 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 it's about my friends being able to work, 
because so many of my friends don't have a television career. They are theater actors, brilliant yes. theater actors, musical yeah. theater actors. They need theater and, and, and to perform in. They have mortgages to pay. They have children to feed. And um, and also people need to go to the theater. That's you know, yes. I see, and I see these kids who go to see Matthew's band. They live their lives according yeah. to going to gigs and music. And mm. it's it's so important. And without that, some teenage, that's, I was speaking to one young girl up in Stockport and she feels her life is over because she doesn't have that to look forward to. They feel they've got nothing to look forward to. Because yeah. you're um, out all just, the time when you're that age though, aren't you? You're you know, just you out. For it. You need yeah. your friends. You don't want to be in with mom and dad. No. God, no, no way. I look at it and think I never would have survived. Like I was never in. I was always, you know, I can imagine it. It's awful. It's just for them. you know. But we just have to hope that, you know, we're looking at other countries opening up now and um, we just have to hope that it's on that it's on the horizon. I think without hope, people can't continue. And I, and, and I think yeah. that we just have to have have to have hope and start looking between the bad news and looking at the the, the, yeah. the good news, really. Yeah. And I think you certainly do that for us, Den. You, um, you know, you're, you're a shining light in so many ways on so many levels. Um, and uh, I really do mean that. I don't know what I'd do without you. And I'm glad. You Ditto. Know, and I'm just glad that we can, um, we can have you just come on here and just share the love as well, because I'm always talking about you and I'm always thinking about you. And I do get a bit teary like now. But um, yeah, we all need a rock like Denise in our lives. So thank that's you. That's so lovely. And that's so lovely. And I'm happy to come on. I'm happy to come on anytime. Oh, Denise, thank you so much. Thank you, guys. Love you. Bye. The Hot Mess Mums Club with Swan. Oh, and thank you to our lovely Denise and also thanks to Swan for sponsoring this episode. If you fancy giving your home a bit of a refresh at the start of the year, we all do, let's face it, then make sure you go and check out their Swan Retro range. It's fab. 